We're continuing our series we're doing this summer called Sunshine and Psalms. Sunshine and Psalms. And what we're doing is uh, we're spending the rest of the summer. Uh, we're going up to September, uh, which is just a few weeks away, looking at uh, some of the Psalms. And this morning that brings us to Psalm 137. People are, are beginning to try to guess what my next one is. Uh, I've kind of been, uh, you know, going from the, the lowest to the highest. I may, I may mess you all up and go back to one uh, earlier. I, I don't know. I haven't actually decided that yet. But uh, people are always asking me, what's the psalm we're doing this, this Sunday? And uh, for the people that have asked me this week what psalm we're doing this Sunday, I've just simply replied, the one that talks about ba bashing babies' heads against rocks, all right? And, and I get a funny look, and I just kind of walk off, all right? Mic drop. Uh, this is a weird one. So y'all should not be surprised that I didn't skip it, right? Those of you that know me. Uh, but... It, Here's the deal. This is a psalm um, that I believe was included in the Bible that just um, says to us as followers of God, you know what? Some days it's okay not to be okay. All right? Um, I appreciate one of my nephews, Cody Burke, reading the, that passage for us um, this morning. And I, just real quickly, let me, let me read it again. I, I just want to read it again. By the rivers of Babylon, we sat and wept. They sat and cried. The people of God sat on the river and cried when we remembered our home, Zion. There on the poplars, we hung up our harps. They hung up their musical instruments. For there our captors asked us, for songs, our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy, remember, Lord. Remember, Lord. Some, some of us have been there. Remember, Lord, what the Edomites did on the day Jerusalem fell. Don't you forget what the enemy did to me. Tear it down, they cried. Tear it down to its foundations. Daughter Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. Folks, somewhere in the church, we got this idea that being a good Christian is that we've always got to be happy and be right, right? We, we, we get this idea that, you know, we've got to paint this face. We, we come into church together and, you know, we got to look like we've got it all together and smell like we got it all together. And, you know, we just got to be happy because we're people of God. And even if we're going through a horrible time or a horrible situation, we put on this face and we pretend like, we, we feel like we have to pretend that everything's okay because I'm a Christian, right? And if I've got enough faith, then everything is okay. And, and we know that if we don't, you know, put on this face that we're okay, then you know, people will think, well, you know, uh, they're just having a pity party. Or, you know what, that person doesn't have enough faith. If they had enough faith, you know, they wouldn't be down and out and depressed and, you know, hanging their head. And so what do we do? Well, we pull up our bootstraps, we put on a, a fake smile, and in doing that, in doing that, we really fail. We really fail those around us who are struggling and suffering and going through difficult situations because we don't, I guess, let them know that, you know what, some days it's okay not to be okay. 
Um, we know we're blessed, right? I mean, we know that. Just driving in this morning, I was looking how blessed I am. We know we're blessed, but you know, some days are just hard. Some days are hard. We know we're blessed to get another day, but deep down in our hearts, there's days when we just need to sit down and have a good cry. Amen? And I don't think there's any better place than the church for us to be honest about these sort of things. Be honest about life and how tough it is to be a light in this world that we're living in today. It's, it's not always easy, is it? For some of y'all, is it easy? It's hard. But good Christians smile laugh, say everything's good, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good. Bad Christians cry, bad Christians have bad days, that's not right, it's not right. Many of the Psalms that we find in our Bibles, one of the reasons I wanted to go here, um, and, and this one in particular, because I, I just feel like this, this particular one is probably overlooked by a lot of pastors. Some of you may have never heard a sermon from Psalm 137, because what do you do with somebody saying, I hope someone bashes your babies against the rocks? <laughs> I mean, you know, what do you do with that? Um, but I think it's looked over a lot of times because we aren't honest enough, honest enough to say that sometimes things in life are really hard and not okay. In fact, some days can be miserable. Anybody been there besides me? Israel has been captured. All right? They've been captured by the Babylonians. Um, and the first four verses here express just how hopeless and depressing of a situation that they find themselves in. The Hebrews have been dragged away from their homes. They've been taken to a foreign land as slaves. And we find them here... Uh, evidently, they've stopped by a river to rest, or they've been you know, allowed to be by the river here and rest. And as they look at the water flowing down the river, and they begin to think about their situation, what they've had to leave behind, they begin to weep. And they begin to cry. I, I want you to just listen to it this morning. I'm not going to put it on the screen, but I want you to listen to it from the paraphrased version of the message. Some of you may be familiar with that, but I just want, to, want you to listen to how uh, Peterson paraphrases this passage of Scripture. He says, Alongside Babylon's rivers, we sat on the banks, and we cried and cried, remembering the good old days in Zion. Alongside the quaking aspens, we stacked our unplayed harps and instruments. That's where our captors demanded songs sarcastic and mocking they said sing us a happy zion song oh how could we ever sing god's song in this wasteland if i ever forget you jerusalem let my fingers wither and fall off like leaves let my tongue swell and turn black if i fail to remember you if i fail oh dear jerusalem to honor you as my greatest god remember those Edomites and remember the ruin of Jerusalem that day they yelled out wreck it smash it to bits and you Babylonians ravagers a reward to whoever gets back at you for all you've done to us yes a reward to the one who grabs your babies and smashes their heads on the rocks wow see they're homesick They've been forced from their homes, from their homeland, and they remember Jerusalem. They remember their homes. They remember Jerusalem was the city of God, and it was a place where they had once fellowshiped with God, 
and everything was right with the world, at least their part of the world. And and what seems to happen when we find ourselves uh, in the lowest of lows and on our worst days, what seems to happen? Well, here here comes that somebody to just make it worse, right? Maybe somebody you work with, maybe even somebody you live with. I, I don't know, but they just, they, it's almost like they, they have radar and they detect you're having a bad day, and so they just want to make it a little worse. Well, and, and, and that's, you know, the Hebrews are gathered here by the river. They're thinking, they're, they're mourning, they're weeping, they're crying. And the Babylonians, there in verse 3, says, for there our captors asked us for songs. Our tormentors demanded songs of joy. They said, sing us one of the songs of Zion. So the Babylonians, knowing they're hurting, knowing they're miserable, decide to rub it in to their new slaves. Why don't, why don't y'all sing us some of those joyful songs? You know, you know that, that song you heard on the radio this morning, get out of your seat and jump to your feet and sing a song of joy. Why, why don't y'all sing that for us today? Sing us the songs of your homeland. Sing us some of those songs about how your God loves you and protects you. And they're mocking them. And wouldn't it have been an inspiration to all of us if this psalm would have continued? You know, a lot of the psalms that we've looked at up to this point have kind of had a transition in them from this, you know, woe is me, miserable day to, you know, glory to God in the highest peace on earth. You know, all, you know there's always like a, a turning point in that. And, and you kind of sense that the psalmist is trying to turn it here in the middle, but he just can't make that turn this time. You know, but, but wouldn't it be nice if, if, you know, the psalmist wrote here, you know, and so uh, finishes off saying, so they picked up their harps and they began singing Psalm 23 with joy in their hearts and a song on their lips. I mean, wouldn't it have been better if this psalm would have ended like that? But it doesn't. But maybe, just maybe, this 137th psalm is not really about inspiring us, but maybe it was intended to remind us there are dark valleys of the shadow sometimes in life. One of England's greatest preachers, some of you may be familiar, read some of his writings or some things about him, um, one of the greatest preachers in England in the 1800s was a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon. And, one, and, and on more than one occasion, Spurgeon really struggled with great bouts of depression. You hearing me? This great man of God that did so much good for the cause of Christ in England struggled greatly with depression. Most of that depression that he struggled with was the result of extreme chronic pain that he experienced in his body every single day. If that's my mom, tell her I'll call her back shortly. She's watching, so I doubt she's calling. But Spurgeon experienced this really bad pain which drove him to uh, depression. And a lot of you can relate to that. Some of you have shared with me your stories about how uh, physical pain not only affects you physically, but it it affects you emotionally. It affects you um, mentally. It also can affect you spiritually. And so here's a great man of God that's experiencing all these things that a lot of you and myself are experiencing and have gone through. And in a biography that was written about Spurgeon, uh, this great man of God who was referred to as the Prince of Preachers, I want you to listen to what he wrote, uh, what was written about him. It says, What he suffered in those times of darkness we may not know. Even his desperate calling on God brought him no relief. And he said... 
There are dungeons beneath the castles of despair. That was how dark, that was the shadow of the valley that Spurgeon, this great man of God, would find himself in. Dungeons beneath the castles of despair. You can't get much lower than that. And maybe we need more Christians like Spurgeon who will be honest. Who will just be honest with uh, uh, the, uh, the church, the family of God, the people of God. I am struggling. I'm having a difficult time. I'm not okay. And, and, and maybe we need to be more honest with one another. Uh, about what's going on in our lives rather than pretending everything is always rosy and perfect. Now, I'm not saying every one of you that have my cell phone number call me this week and tell me about all your problems, all right? I'm saying we are the body of Christ. There's a lot of people in here who can field those phone calls, all right? It doesn't just have to be the preacher. It can be that person, uh, you know, that maybe you go to class, Sunday school class with or, or, or small group with or Bible study with. And, oh, by the way, if you're not doing those things and not making those connections and building relationships with other people in the body of Christ, guess what? You have no one to call. <laughs> right? Am I right? I'm not wrong. We need those people in our lives, right? And I am that to several people, but I can't be that to all of you. And you need that. I need that. We all need that when we find ourselves in these situations because, oh, by the way, if all of us are honest, we have some really bad days. There are some days when we're absolutely uh, miserable and everything is not rosy and perfect, and maybe we should stop pretending that everything is rosy and perfect. And so instead of singing for these cruel Babylonians, the Israelites, they don't sing. And they hang their instruments up in a, a, a tree. And these same people that once, used, you know, in the past, they had everything going for them. Everything was great. Now they can't even seem to muster up a song to the Lord. And the psalmist seems to, it's almost like he's, you know, to me, this is how I felt when I was reading it, that the psalmist seemed, like climbs out of the pages of my Bible and grabs me by the collar and asks, how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a foreign land? How can we sing songs of joy to the Lord when we're being held as slaves? When, when our homes have been destroyed? Some of our families have been tortured. How, how can we sing these songs to the Lord? And, and, and I believe we're all guilty, at least I know that, that I am, to, to look at this situation that the Israelites are in and go, hey, you brought all this on yourself. And not only am I guilty of looking at this, this situation right here with the, the Israelites and saying, hey, you brought that on yourself. I'm also guilty of looking at some of the situations of the people around me and going, you brought that on yourself. And that does nobody any good. Anybody any good. I don't know. My grammar's not any good either. But... Or maybe it's even our own situation to where we know deep down in our hearts the reason, I'm, the reason I'm going through this, the reason I'm so miserable, the reason for all this pain is because I brought it on myself. And it's easy to point out the things and the sin that brought on these consequences, but I believe when we do, we miss the point of this psalm and much of Scripture. Hear me now. If we choose to ignore the suffering going on around us, acknowledging and understand we all suffer. We all have bad days. We all have bad situations. We all go through a valley of the shadow. And we're missing what it means to be the body of Christ 
when we don't see that in those around us, even if their pain is due to some fault of their own, whether it is or whether it isn't. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm guilty of looking at a lot of situations and going, brought on themselves. What do we call it? Karma? What goes around comes around? And then good grief, even, even at the conclusion of this psalm, the psalmist doesn't react in a way that we would consider to be even slightly right <laughs> or slightly righteous even. But that's what makes this psalm so powerful to me is because it's so genuine. It's so real. It's so raw. It's, you know, our stinking thinking that the psalmist put down on paper for us to read, and God included it in the Bible. Why? What are we if we can't be genuine people? Who are we if we can't be real? As we read this psalm, us, us seasoned church folks would probably expect it to end with a declaration of, yes, Lord, but thy will be done. Or, or, you know, trust and obey, for there's no other way, you know. But what we find here is honestly just natural human instinct, feelings, and emotion. Crying out to God. Don't miss this. He's crying out to God, not for mercy, but for what? Revenge. That's what he wants. He wants revenge, and, and we see it there in verse 8 and 9. Daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction. Happy is the one who repays you according to what you have done to us. Karma, right? Happy is the one who seizes your infants and dashes them against the rocks. That's some pretty serious revenge right there, wouldn't you say? God, don't you forget what they've done to us. Don't you forget what they did to me. Don't you forget what that person did to me and did to my family. God, don't you forget what they've done to us. Don't you forget how they tore down our beautiful city and our homes in Jerusalem. Babylon, look what you've done to us. What goes around comes around. And one day, Someone is going to find joy in doing to you what you did to us. This actually is a passage of Scripture of prophecy because that's exactly what happened. <laughs> it's exactly what happened. Now take your babies and sling them into the rocks. That's, that's cruel. That's harsh. History tells us it's exactly what happened. Their words make us cringe. The violence or the image of children being slammed into rocks is horrific. And then the obsession that the Israelites have for revenge, it's just a reminder to us how terribly wrong things can go, even for followers of God. And how our feelings and our minds can just run out of control. Some of you been there? When you're in the middle of this, how your mind just goes so fast and you just imagine every scenario and often it's worst case scenario and your mind is just like Ugh. how can I kill them how can I hide the body right none, none of y'all have experienced I'm sorry I mean, just me I guess I'm sorry uh, no if we're honest we cry out sometimes for revenge not to God for mercy but we honestly want revenge because we can't make sense out of any of it friends that's real that's genuine and some of you have been there and some of you may be there today I had someone send me a message right after the second service and she said, thank you so much for that message. I don't know that it's for anyone but me. Maybe she's not the only one today. 
you know, we can't leave out verse 5 and 6. I believe this is where he's trying to get back to his hope. I believe this is where he's trying to flip this psalm, like we've seen the other ones go from the bad news to the good news, right? I believe he's trying to do that here. He says, if I forget you, Jerusalem, may my right hand forget its skill. May my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth if I do not remember you, if I do not consider Jerusalem my highest joy. Even though they can no longer sing this song of celebration, all right, and they would love nothing more than for God to punish their enemies and for him to get revenge. Still, the psalmist reminds us, he's, he, I've got to go back to the foundation. I've got to go back to the roots. And he's trying so hard to go back to that. They cry out to God. If we ever forget the place of God, if we ever forget Jerusalem, or even worse, if we ever forget how faithful God is, they're saying, the psalmist is saying, I should be cursed even more than I am right now. If I forget about that. If I forget about Him and His blessings and His goodness. If I do, if I totally abandon that, then, you know, let my fingers fall off, let my tongue rot out. I should be even more cursed. They declare that they must remember the joy that they had in God's presence in the city of God in Jerusalem. And that name Jerusalem, Zion, literally means the place that is founded in peace. Isn't that kind of ironic? The place that is founded in peace. And peace or shalom means more than just the absence of war. means more than just the absence of, of conflict. But this peace, shalom, means that one's heart is at peace with God. At one with God, if you will. And not only at peace with God, but also, friends, at peace with God's creation. And humanity who was made in God's image. Jerusalem was a place that represent, represented love. It represented hope to these Jews. Jer but Jerusalem is behind them. It's been destroyed. But they know they can't abandon what was there. Because where there is just a seed of hope, a seed of love, it can still be replanted, grow, flourish, and produce fruit. During the Thirty Year War in the 17th century, there was a German pastor by the name of Paul Gerhardt. And during that war, this pastor and his family were forced to leave their home. While this conflict was taking place. And one night as they stayed in a small village that they had found safety in. Uh, far away from their home. And they were there in this little village. Homeless. Afraid. And his wife just broke down. She had had all that she could take. All that she could endure. And she just broke down. Some of you have been there. You just, sometimes you just lose it. And she did. And her husband came beside her and tried to reassure and comfort her. And In his comfort, he reminded her of some passages of Scripture in the Bible where God promises to protect and provide. He kind of talks her down off the ledge and she calms down and he goes outside after sharing the hope that his wife should have in God he goes outside and he lost it and he broke down and he cried and he cried 
And he said he felt like he'd come to his darkest hour in life. But in the midst of that, in the midst of that despair with no viable hope for the future, he remembered the peace of knowing God. He remembered the hope he had in a relationship with God. And he wrote a hymn. That would later give comfort to countless other people when they were going through their darkest times. And he wrote this. He said, give to the winds thy fears. Hope. Hope. And be not dismayed. God hears thy sighs. He counts thy tears. God shall lift up thy head through waves and clouds and storms. He gently clears the way. Wait thou his time, so shall the night soon end in joyous day. Gerhardt's words were not a proclamation that everything was okay. In fact, everything was miserable. But he refused to forget God in the middle of his weeping. He refused to let go of the rope and the hope that he had in God. And maybe sometimes the the tears wash away what's been blocking us from actually seeing God anyway. And in the tears... He wanted to hold on to God. He wanted to hold on to that hope, even though they were both hidden in the valleys of the shadow that he found himself in. Friends, here's here's the bottom line. Hope remains for all of us. Hope remains for everyone, even in the valley, even in the darkest hour. It's the hope of redemption, a hope that God's not finished with us yet. If you don't hear anything else today, hear this. The story is not over. Your story is not finished. As long as you have breath in your body, there are still pages and chapters to be written. The story isn't over. The story may turn out to be how God went with you through the shadow of the valley and how you came out on the mountaintop and He blessed you more than you ever dreamed or imagined when you got there. The story's not over. The story's not over for your loved one. The story is not over for your child that seems to just be going crazy right now. The story's not over. There's hope. There's hope in redemption A hope that God is not finished with us yet. He's not done. You're not done. The psalmist didn't know it when he was writing this. But you know what? In the future, there would be a new Jerusalem. There would be new life in Jesus Christ. And and this isn't a hope that... uh, This isn't the kind of hope... And don't get me wrong this morning... But this isn't the kind of hope that tells a grieving widow... That she needs to get over it and move on... Because one day she's going to be with her husband again. This is not a hope that tells someone without a job... You need to get out of... uh, You need to get over it and move on... Because there's something better for you out there. This isn't a hope that tells someone going through a divorce to get over it, move on, and get on with your life. This isn't a hope that tells parents who have lost a child to get over it and move on because their little boy or little girl is now one of God's angels. The hope of redemption admits that sometimes this life is unbearable. The hope of redemption admits that sometimes this life is hard and it is difficult, but our hope is new life is promised. Amen? That's our hope. 
in new life. New life is promised. And it's a new life that you and I have got to cling to, right? It was a little boy. And I'm going to close with this. Hayden, you can come out. Last time I said I was going to close, he came out and played for like 30 minutes and didn't even. I got in trouble. He said his fingers were cramping. I'm about to close, Hayden. There was a little boy one time that uh, decided he was going to build a sailboat. And he did. And he built a pretty fine sand boat. He, he, he worked on it and he fixed it up. And he had it all sealed and had it all painted up. And man, it looked cool. So he took it out to uh, the lake to see if it was going to float. And he set it down there in the water. And man, it, it floated. It didn't sink. And he was excited. And so he took the sail because he was a sailboat and so he took the sail and he put it together and he put it on the boat and he kind of pushed it out there hoping a little bit that it would sail and man sure enough wind came up and filled the sail and that sucker took off went rippling out there across the waves of the water suddenly before the little boy knew it the boat was out of his reach even though he waded in as fast as he could and went out as far as he could and tried to grab it. He watched his boat float away. And he hoped maybe the wind would shift and maybe blow it back in toward him. But instead, he just watched it go farther and farther away from him. When he went home, he was crying. His mama asked him, what's wrong? Did your boat not work? And he said, it worked too well. Sometime later, the little boy was downtown. He walked past a uh, secondhand store there in town. And he looked in the window and he saw his sailboat there in the window of that little pawn shop. And he goes in and he looks it over good. And man, without a doubt, he knew that it was his so he goes up to the owner of the store. He tells the owner of the store, he said, uh, that's my boat in the window. I, I built that boat. And the little boy walked over and he picked it up and he started walking out of the store. And the store owner said, hey, son, wait a minute. You can't leave with that boat. He said, that's my boat. He said, I bought and paid for that boat with my own money. I own it now. And the little boy didn't quite know what to do, and he looked at the price the man had on his boat, and he left there once again discouraged and down. He goes home, and he starts digging through the cushions, trying to get change, trying to do little things around the house to get a little money. He finally, one day, had enough money to go back and buy the boat, and he went in, and he bought it. And as he left the store with that boat... He was holding it close to him. Someone said they heard him say, You're my boat. You're twice my boat. First, you're my boat because I made you. And second, you're my boat because I bought you. So it is with God. We are twice gods. First God created us. And then he redeemed us. He bought us. He paid for us. First Peter chapter 1 verse 18. Cody read it for us earlier. It says, For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. For whose sake? For your sake. Through Him, you believe in God who raised Him from the dead and glorified Him. 
And so your faith and hope are in God. In the middle of hopelessness. In the middle of those dark nights of the soul that you may find yourself in. We must never tell one another just to get over it. Pick up your harp and sing a joyful song. Because you know what? There are days where we can't. There are days that we may just have to hang our harp in that tree. Quit pretending that everything's okay. And cry. But don't you ever forget you've been redeemed. And one day, this season of pain, darkness, depression, discouragement, battles, one day, it's all going to come to an end. It will. It's all going to come to an end. And the psalmist says to you today and to me today, remember Jerusalem. Remember God. Remember Jesus Christ who paid the price for you that you could not pay for yourself. That is and always will be our hope. That will and always will be the only true joy that we can ever know or ever experience. And I know there are many in our church that are going through some valleys. Going through difficult situations, whether it be health-related, relationships, just a burden that it seems they are dragging and having to carry every single day, every moment that they're awake. I don't know what it is for you, but I do feel like I need to invite those of you that feel that pain today to join me. Join me as we pray together at these altars today. And if you would like to come, I invite you to come right now as Hayden prays. And I'm just going to have a closing prayer together. But maybe you would like to come this morning and bring whatever it is to these altars. God, you brought us to one of the most uh, unpredictable, could I say, even kind of weird passages of Scripture this morning in Psalm 137. But I know that your Spirit has a very clear message to some that are here today or maybe somebody that would be listening online to it even later. And today I trust you with what you're doing. I trust you with your word and I trust your spirit and what you're doing in this place today. I, like many in our church, are 
experiencing some of these same things and same emotions. And Thank you for the hope that we have in you. Thank you that for the reminder that we're twice yours. <laughs> you created us and then you had to buy us back because of our sin. I pray that if there be anybody here today that has not accepted you as their Savior and surrendered their life to you, that today would be a day that they would experience and know that. There is no hope for them without you. And I just pray that they would hear that message with the love that you have for them. You're not a harsh, judgmental God, but you give all of us an opportunity to be who you created us to be, and that's your children. And if we choose to be rebellious and walk away from that, then we won't be your children. and We're destined for eternal death. God, there are some people here today that are hurting. There's people in our church today that are going through a really difficult day. And I pray that you would be with our McNabb family, that you would be with Tom and Lindsay and all them as they've gone to the hospital this morning with Marilyn and it seems like she's about to cross over and receive her eternal reward but I know it's hard on the family they love her so much she's made such an impact not only on that family but our community and this world being a missionary and willing to go wherever the Lord would take her wherever you would send her she was obedient, her and Lewis, faithful to go. Be with them today, God. Just comfort them. Be real in that place. Be mighty and strong in that place. I, I just pray that they would have an overwhelming sense of your presence as they're gathered around Maryland there today. God, I pray for our friend Anita, a warrior. I don't know what the name Anita means, but when I say it, see it, and think it, I think warrior mighty warrior she has fought and battled and God she's weak today and struggling she's at home wouldn't be surprised if she's not watching right now God we pray for healing in her body pray for joy in her heart I pray that she would feel better that she would know that you're working in her life. Pray for Lisa and the situation that she's going through with her parents right now. And I know that's draining in every way, physically and emotionally and mentally. God, just be with Lisa and her family and sustain them. Give them wisdom. Walk with them. Pray that you be with my brother Ronnie. It's, he's recovering from another surgery, God. Just bring healing to his body that strength would be renewed. Draw him close, God. I pray for Randy. I thank you for allowing our paths to cross. And I pray tomorrow that as he face further tests, that he would have such a peace and such a comfort in the hope that he has in you. And God, we would ask that you would just answer our prayers and that everything would be clear, everything would be fine. And God, that's our prayer. We pray for healings because your word tells us to. But we pray that you would work miracles and change test results. And God, I pray that. I pr earnestly pray that along with others. There are many that are praying that today and tomorrow. But God, most importantly, it's just that we trust you. We trust you. We're going to walk along Randy. 
as you walk along, Randy. And we're all going to go through this together with the hope that we have in Christ. Continue to pray for my brother Robert that you would bring healing, strength to his body. I pray for Wanda. Wanda Riddle, sweet friend, dear friend, precious lady. God, continue to be with her and her doctors. She battles cancer. And God, I know it's not just our church that's filled with hurting people. It's every church up and down this road. And so I pray for them that the hope of God would be proclaimed in their midst. And that they would trust you with whatever it is that they're going through. I can't help but think of my good friend down there, Freddie Mark. Boy, he's a messenger of grace. He's a messenger of the good news. Be with them. Use them. God, use them to start a huge revival in this community. Use them to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Use them to build the kingdom of God. They're our brothers and sisters. They're not our competition. <laughs> They're Baptists, but that don't make them bad. Use them, God. Use Freddie Mark. Use all of our churches. Be with all of our pastors. As I know they get discouraged after hearing bad news after bad news and seeing people walk away from the church. Every single week, people are walking away from the church. Pastors are discouraged. Remind them, remind me of the hope that we have in you. You've got this. It's your church, not mine. Thank you for that. Thank you for what you're doing here today. Thank you for the hope that we have in you. It's in the powerful, powerful name of Jesus Christ that we pray and we ask these things. Amen. I love you all more than you know. <laughs>